Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was hoping for a little more the other night. I, it, was, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a bit of a letdown after the semifinal games, but I thought something a, like that, not to that degree, but I, like that might happen. A bit of a letdown? <sighs> yeah. yeah, I'll say a bit of a letdown. That's about as big of a letdown as my work snafu yesterday. Yeah, well. Drive home four hours only to get called as soon as you walk in the door to have to turn around and drive six hours in the direction you just fucking came from. Well, Five times. Working man problems. Can't relate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on, yeah. On that note, uh, welcome back to all you who who do and do not work, but uh, whatever your individual case is. But you do listen to the South End Zone podcast. We're back this week, and we are going to be Jason. Uh, we're going to be recapping. Uh, boy, I don't know if I really don't even, even call talk it a about national this. title I just, game. <laughs> I, I'm scared to put too much out there because I feel like I might, you know, someone might come knocking on my door uh, as a material witness to a crime. After having watched that, yeah. Anyone not paying attention? Uh, Georgia wins big, sixty. Uh, gosh, what sixty-five to seven? Sixty-five to seven. Guy, rough. Um, <laughs> End of demo. <laughs> yeah. And there's re- Jason. There's really not a whole lot to talk about as far as the game, other than just domination. Well. My initial reactions, you know, I've I've talked about this at length with you guys off the air, but initial reactions, I would just have to say it doesn't surprise me. I mean, we we talked about it like before the playoff. I was a little bit perturbed that TCU got in, you know, and maybe like felt like Alabama was a better team and probably should have been there. And, uh, you know, it didn't happen. And it was like, okay, well, we lost two games. You can't do that. That's fine. Whatever. And then TCU won a game. You know, they beat Michigan. I was like, okay, well, shit, maybe they're actually a pretty good team. But after seeing this, I feel like I did before the Michigan game where they had no business being there. And they beat Mich- They beat a Michigan team who, one, they had three and a half weeks to prepare for. And two, uh, just choked and threw two pick sixes and handed them a win. So not to say they didn't play well in that game as well, but, you know, I feel like Michigan, if they played 10 times, Michigan would probably win six to seven times out of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like, they, feel like they were the better team, but it happens, you know, whatever. It's one game, but man, this is just a different level of ass kickery. Like I, I've never seen a beat down like that. Well, <laughs> it, in, you know, in terms of bowl games, uh, no one has. It was the the largest margin of victory in any bowl game in the history of college bowl games. Given that, yeah, it's weird that it happened in a national title game, but looking back kind of how it happened, it's not terribly surprising, right? Georgia jumps out to a huge lead, and once TCU gets kind of desperation mode and taking more chances than maybe they would want to, and it really snowballs. Uh, That's a word Sonny Dykes used, and I think it's appropriate. Really, I think they got to a a point maybe right before or after halftime where it's – it's either now or never. It's it's either going to get better or it's going to get a whole lot worse. And they got a whole lot worse. Well, did you at any point in this game, I mean, from the first play, I mean, I know we both like Georgia going in, right? But from the first snap, Georgia just looked like they were on a mission, man. And TCU had no chance in the game. Even after like the first play, I was like, this is a mismatch. Like, <laughs> I mean, so they I, just blew I those guys off the ball, you know? 
I thought that as well. And then uh, TCU's second drive after Georgia is up 10 nothing, they they bust the coverage, get that long pass down the left side and end up punching yeah. it in. And there was there was about not game time, but like actual time. There was about a two-minute stretch where I thought, you know, if they start having miscommunications and blowing coverages and giving up big plays, this might, you know, these guys might hang around, not necessarily win, but I, I, I was honestly just blown away about like how bad TCU looked overall on just as a team. I mean, they looked pathetic. I mean, there's no other word to say other than it was just a putrid performance by them. They completely and utterly got dominated in every facet of the game to the fullest extent that one can be dominated. Like it was just utter destruction. And, you know, we talked about before the game, could TCU run the ball? That was my biggest question. Well, they averaged 1.3 yards a carry. Yeah, they, they ran for 35 yards. So, yeah. no, yeah. short answer. Uh, Georgia yes. ran for 254. <laughs> yeah, and uh, threw for, what, another 330 or so? Yeah, 330-something. Uh, total yardage ended up with Georgia having right at 400-yard advantage, which is oh. an incredible amount. First downs, 32-9. to nine. You know, TCU was two mm. of 11 on third down. Georgia converted nine out of 13. The the big thing, so one of my brothers actually texted me right before the game started. He asked me, he's like, so seriously, like, does TCU have any chance in this? Is this worth watching? And what I told him was, you know, if they can hit a couple of big plays and they're going to have to win the turnover battle by, I would think, at least two. And they got a shot at least to to give these guys a game. But other than that, I think they're just... A you know Georgia held a a noticeable advantage at basically every position, particularly up front. You just look at the two teams and they just look different. Oh yeah, I mean TCU. They it's like the it it kind of reminds me. You know, I was texting some friends during the game and stuff, and a couple of them said, you know, this has got like just mismatch written all over it. And I said, this has got week one Georgia versus Oregon written all over it. It looked like the exact same thing. Like Bo Nix running for his life, you know, or Max Duggan in this case, and, you know, just complete ineptitude on offense. They couldn't do anything. And aside from the one big play that they hit, mm-hmm. which went for, you know, 60 yards. Yeah, I think it accounted for almost like a third of their total yardage in the game. Yeah. Well, it was a lot like the Oregon game in is when it got way out of hand is when you, you start trying to do stuff you don't normally do. Then it just gets worse. Yeah. I mean, two for 11 on third down for yeah. TCU through two picks. And, I mean, and the, yards did, per play is the really telling one. Like, did you look at the yards per play? Well, no. I know that I kind of looked at halftime and did a little napkin math, and Georgia was just over nine yards per play in the first half. And TCU, I think at that point, was under two. I don't know what else to say, man. I mean, like you said, there's really not much to take away from it other than just TCU get the shit kicked out of them. Yeah, I mean, they, they looked those... like, I mean, midway through the second quarter, I said to myself, I said, this looks like a high school team versus the, the fucking Buffalo Bills, man. You don't see teams like the Citadel get the shit kicked out of them this bad. Okay. Yeah, which is really weird because you're talking about a, a power five team that at this point is 13 and one. Yeah. And, it's, you know, this isn't, you know, it's this isn't like Akron or Colorado. I mean, this is <laughs> the team that just, just beat undefeated Big Ten champ Michigan. So I, I thought Georgia would win. I thought Georgia would cover the, I think it closed at 13 or 13 and a half. And I think last week I took them at 12 and a half. If yeah, I we right. both, yeah, yeah, we both took a 12 and a half. And uh, we both took, I believe we both took the over. Yeah, we took the over, and I believe that number was 62 and a half or three. Yeah, and Georgia Um, covered that on their own. On their own, yeah, which whole different that that I didn't see coming. Um, But I didn't see a 50-point game coming. No, I I didn't either. I mean, this just, like I say, it it snowballed, like you said, on TCU. Just got out of hand. They couldn't do a thing. And, you know, kudos to Georgia, man, back-to-back. What can you say? I mean, they are the standard now. You know, I. Lo- however, as an Alabama fan, it's a bitch that we didn't get a shot at him. But I do just love David Pollock sitting on TV next to Saban and saying Georgia has taken over college football. And you can see the look on Saban's face. It was total disgust. You know, so I can't wait to see what next year brings. I mean, it'll be interesting, obviously. I mean, Alabama's losing a lot, too, and they're going to have some some unproven question marks going into the year. We'll see. Oh, a, yeah. lot, a lot's going to happen between now and then as far as that. But I want to talk about Kirby Smart for a minute. All right. Uh, Kirby Smart, a couple of weeks ago, turned 47 years old. He uh, 
he's not going anywhere anytime real soon. He's he's one of maybe three guys in college football who are unpoachable as far as coaches, right? He he's he is leaving the University of Georgia on his own terms and it's probably not going to be for a while. So what do you think would be an appropriate over under number for Kirby Smart career national championships? Man. Well, the only thing that I can say is as long as it sticks in this format, you know, a, a playoff format where they don't break away from the NCAA and it becomes a semi-pro league and all the, you know, scenarios that we've talked about that football could develop into. But as long as it stays a college game like it is now, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't really think you can cap it. I mean, I think he could certainly over time being as young as he is tie and potentially pass Saban. I mean, I don't think that's crazy to say. I mean, he's built him into just an absolute machine, and there's no signs of it slowing down. You look at their schedule, oh. they're going to go 12-0 next year. Nobody's yeah. going to beat them except for maybe a at, road game at Tennessee. At Tennessee, I think, is yeah. the one game next year. Their schedule, I'm sorry. I, I know that they had Oklahoma on the schedule, and the SEC made them change it. And yes. they ended up with Ball State. I get that. Correct. Their schedule is still an embarrassment it is and they, that, that I mean, they have like four road games and one of those games is the florida game in jacksonville right. yeah i think they have two games that are not in the state of georgia or within 35 miles of a border right Correct. when you factor in the cocktail party game and at auburn yeah i think at tennessee is going to be the only game that they're not favored by at least 14 points next year yeah, I mean, it's possible. It's one of those situations where, like, we've seen where Alabama's coming off a national title with Saban and they're favored by 17 to 21 every week, right. you know, and it's just, it, it's normal. And, and, and then, that's, that I think is going to be his biggest challenge is because you know, they're going to be, my guess is they're going to be the preseason number one. They're going to be talked about as the preseason number one all summer. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how he's going to convince these guys that everyone thinks they're going to go seven and five and, and keep that fire lit, right? The, the Wait, fake. I saw the fake. your tweet. I saw your tweet about that. By the way, what the? I, I'm with you. What is the bullshit? Nobody believed in us. Crap that they're talking about. That is bullshit, man. They were like we even like down to our level on this podcast. We all came in going, we think they're the best team in the country right now. I I don't get the. Well, you guys doubted us. Uh, nobody was doubting you. You were ranked in the top three all season. Like you dropped to two once, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think they like, were third. They might have been actually been fourth in the first CFP rankings when Tennessee opened it at number one after the Alabama win. And then they immediately beat Tennessee, and then they're number one. But I they think were, they, were sec- they were second in the first playoff rankings because uh, – Tennessee jumped to one after they beat Bama. And at the time, you know, Bama was number one when they lost. So I think Bama dropped to whatever it was, seventh or sixth or whatever it may be. And Georgia jumped to two, but Tennessee jumped them all the way to one. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it's weird to me that, and I know a lot of, a lot of athletes and even teams kind of feed off of perceived, you know, doubt or disrespect. Bryce Young's even done it. You know, talking about, well, you know, no one's ever, God, come on, man. Like, yeah, but I mean, you, got, they your, were you got your first scholarship offer when you were in the eighth grade. Like, yeah, don't, but I mean, they don't were play fa- that no one ever They were favored in, in every game. Every game, they were favored by double digits, just about. I mean, what are we talking about? Like, no one's. Yeah, no, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't get it. Like, I don't know how yeah. he convinced 100 college age kids that no one thinks you can go beat these teams when literally everyone thinks they will. <laughs> yeah I, I don't know i'm lost but you know kudos to kirby for yeah, being able to I motivate just, those have, guys i mean yeah i listened to have that. His work cut did you hear that him. pregame speech that i put I in did. the group chat i've listened to that thing <sighs> i would say Man, i wanted to run through between a damn wall 10 and 16 it. times <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to run through a wall when I heard it, man. I was like, damn, this guy's a master motivator. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard a couple of his either pre or post or, uh, halftime of the Florida game last year. Mm-hmm. There was a, a clip of his halftime speech, right? If you guys, you know, they scored, I think three touchdowns in about the last two minutes and took yeah. a huge lead on Florida. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing as that, where I just, I find it weird that so many people are, are clutching pearls and wringing their hands over, I guess they've never heard a football coach talk before. Maybe. I don't know. 
I don't. Yeah, get I mean, it, I'm. But my, hell, my high school coaches talked like that. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know what the big deal is. You know, it, it shit happens. But yeah, I didn't. I mean, it sounded like not necessarily a standard uh, locker room speech, but nothing I would think outrageous. Oh so. God, yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, you ought to hear Nick Saban's. You know, half times or pregame speeches or whatever. I mean, it's no different. You know, and all the coaches are like that. At least the fiery ones, guys like Saban or Smart or whoever. You know, I mean, that's. I'm sure this. I'm sure there's some kids that hear a lot worse. Like you remember the, the the Texas assistant coach on the bus last year. Yeah, just ripping them kids and yeah, it's ass. the same thing. People are like, oh my god, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, it's a it's a team, man. It's football. Yeah. Part of it. Like this is kind of how it goes. Like go watch know. hard. Go watch hard knocks in the NFL. Same yeah, shit. Hard knocks or last chance you is a blazer show of profanity. Oh my god. Um, oh yeah. I don't know. I, I thought it was weird, but I did hear the pregame. Um, I thought it was vintage Kirby Smart. I just think he's gonna really have trouble keeping those guys believing that no one believes in them. Well, now they they've gone back to back speaking from a fan perspective as somebody who's gone through that in the BCS era. It is different, man. Like you take like it it becomes a expectation now of if we don't win the national championship, it's a failure. And that to me is going to be the difference moving forward for their players, their coaches, you know, the media, the fans, everybody. It's like if Georgia doesn't win the national title, it's a failure. I mean, we've seen Bama go up and down and up and down, win some titles, take a couple of years where they don't, then they win one. But that's how it is at Bama, you know, for our fan base. It's like national championship or bust every year. And that's where Georgia's at now, too. So be really interesting moving forward to see how, you know, if they can maintain that intensity level and maintain their winning ways. But I don't, I mean, me personally, I don't see them slowing down. I don't. I don't either, but I think that will be a challenge because, you know, kind of keeping that uh, complacency from from setting in to the program. Like, I've wondered at times the last couple of years if that's what's happened at Alabama. It, possibly, yeah. I mean, it could. Like, we've talked about it a little bit, I guess. Like the They've had a lot of games the last two years where they don't, I guess they don't beat teams as convincingly as you would, or they lose games that they shouldn't. The well, we've talked about it. It's it's an identity thing. You know, if you look at, I mean, I went over it on this podcast a few weeks ago, and I've probably touched on it once since then. I mean, Georgia looks like Alabama used to look. Mm-hmm. And, and they play you know, like it, Alabama used to play. That's right. right? Yeah, With that type you, of attitude. And, and Yes. Ferocity on defense, game manager at quarterback, power running game, hit the big play when you need to. That kind of stuff. And, you know, I took that blueprint to Georgia and good on Kirby, man. He, he proved that you can still win that way. But, you know, Alabama's just gotten to where they are this high-flying, throw it 50 times a game, cutesy offense. And I think that bleeds over into the defensive mentality, man, where, you know, you don't really worry about trying to be ferocious on defense because you think you can outscore everyone. Right. Yeah, we can give up 28 today and we'll still win. Yeah because we're going to score 50 and I think it's a mentality thing. So who knows, man, maybe we'll, we'll see what happens there, but George is not going away. Kudos to them. Congrats on a back-to-back national titles and Stetson Bennett, man, the mailman. I crushed him last year before the season. He goes and wins a title this year. He goes undefeated wins another one. I mean, fucking Georgia quarterback legend, man. Yeah. Yet not eligible for the football hall of fame or college football hall of fame. Why? Because he's already too fucking old? No, he was never an All-American. <laughs> oh, okay. I got you. That's Which pretty I didn't, mind-blowing. I didn't, it is. I, I didn't realize that until I don't know much about the College Football Hall of Fame as far as eligibility requirements. This came up when Mike Mike Leach passed away, that 600 winning percentage is required to be eligible for in, induction into the College Football Hall of Fame. And Mike Leach was at a 590-something. Man, they need to make an exception there. And, That's a joke. I mean, that dude changed the game. And, uh, and they should, and I, I would expect they probably will in time, whenever that is. But yeah, that came up, uh, and I didn't know this until the other day, that as, as a player, uh, you're not eligible unless you've been named an All-American. And I think it's either first or second team, uh, at least once. Yeah, he never has. So you got a guy, It's you look and you start thinking, boy, it's kind of tough to going to be tough to tell the the story of this era of college football without including Stetson Bennett the fourth, you know, kind of given what he's done the last three years and his story. So we'll see. But uh, so let's take a quick break and we will hear from our friends at DraftKings. And when we on, come on back, kind of put a bow on this season 
in terms of games and maybe take a peek ahead to next year. Oh, man, I can't wait. Speaking of uh, some games, uh, Eric, <laughs> your boys, what yeah. are they going to do, man? So uh, There's the no NFL, There is no telling. So the NFL playoff picture, I mean, it's locked in. And our go-to place for the wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right, so we're kicking off the road to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57. And new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wildcard round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. And to me, that that's pretty good action. So why would you bet the NFL playoffs anywhere else, personally? All right, Eric. Vikings, what are they going to do in the playoffs? Give it to me. Uh, they're either going to win by a little or lose by a lot. That's been their pattern this year. Uh, I don't. They got the Giants at home. Yeah, they're catching three points at home. So I don't like three on the number a lot, but I'm I'm going to back them. I don't think it's a bad play at home. I mean, I, I don't I don't think the Giants are as good as like a team that beat them at home. Someone like say when the Cowboys went up there and slaughtered them. You know, right. I, I don't see that happening with the Giants. Maybe. But you got to believe that they're going to try to put a cap on Saquon Barkley and just try to, you know, make Daniel Jones beat him through the air, which he could do. I mean, the Vikings secondary is questionable, but we'll see. But, however, if you're a listener now, if you want to get in on this action, the first thing you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code TPPN. That is the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TPPN. And as always, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply, so check out our show notes for those details. All right, Eric, so what are we doing? It's the it's the week after the national championship game, and that is when everyone tries to kind of get their top 25 for next season out already. And and it's a race to be first. (laughs) Not Um, the best. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a lot of journalism these days. It feels like, um, so I I look at this as just a mirror, like these, you can sort of see what people's expectations are for next year. Like, I think these are going to be the teams that are good. Like, that's the way I look at it. Like, I I, I can't, you can't sit there and be like, well, they like FSU should be ranked X. Like, you can't say that. You don't have well, a you, fucking clue. But this, if you want to put that expectation on them, go right ahead. Yeah, I, don't, I look at these as being less instructive um, and more kind of like macro. Yeah. Hey, here, you know, not necessarily sticking too rigidly to the number order, but hey, here's some teams we think are going to be good and some teams who are going to be, should be very, very good. So uh, Mark Schlabach at ESPN was uh, the one that we had both seen his way too early top 25. Uh, yeah. And this is not to demean Mark Schlabach. We love Mark Schlabach on this show. Uh, he's just the one that we've both seen uh put out a top 25 already. So we'll he's, talk about He's his. in the race to be first. So he's the first one to get roasted. So his way too early. Number one, predictably is the Georgia Bulldogs. They're going to be losing a lot of very, very good players. They're going to be bringing a lot of very, very good players back or in. Yeah. Number two recruiting class. I mean, they, they obviously should be number one. I mean, even losing Stetson Bennett, Carson Beck looked good the other night. And yeah, he looks like they, he's, he's looked good when he's played. And they like him down there. I feel like he'll be the dude. Yeah. And if he's not the dude, they have two five stars behind him. (laughs) So yeah, they'll be fine. uh, Defensively uh, losing Jalen Carter hurts. um, But I also kind of feel like I did last year where it's, we talked about it a couple of times last off season. Well, yeah, you know, they, they lost guys to the draft. I get it. But the scary thing about Georgia, go look down their roster at how many fucking sophomores yeah. We're playing on their team this year, like Brock Bowers, sophomore. <laughs> you know, I mean, like the kid that had two picks in the game, sophomore. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, they're yeah. they're going to be really fucking good again. Yep. Next. So, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jalen Carter, Keely Ringo, uh, Darnell Washington, Cedric Van Pran, their center, Christopher, Christopher Smith, the safety. Those guys are all leaving. They will all get replaced, most likely replaced capably uh, for the most part. Number two, he's got Ohio State. I. I mean, I don't hate it, I guess, but 
I mean, we've talked about this, not at length, but just in passing, you know, to me, really, the only question mark with them will be who's taking the snaps. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, a, that's it. You know, it's a big question, though. Um, it is. I don't I don't feel like you can, you know, just hand them a number two ranking comfortably. I feel like if you want to put them in the top five, just based off sheer roster talent, I'm OK with that. But, you know, can you really? rank them above Michigan with what Michigan's got coming back? Oh, yeah. And that's kind of my thing is initially I thought that, and then I thought, because I hadn't looked at the whole list yet, right? He's got a little write-up on all these as far as who they're losing, who they're bringing in, uh, and then a little blurb, kind of how their season went and who they have moving forward. And I thought, God, C.J. Stroud is leaving, and who's going to do that? But then you start Jackson thinking Smith, of, Yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba's gone. <laughs> like, I mean, they're... Right, but I start thinking about, who, well, who else would be... Okay, well... You know, Bryce Young's going to the draft, so Alabama's going to have a new quarterback. Um, you know, Joe Milton's back, but he hasn't played enough to maybe give everybody a ton of confidence that, mm-hmm. you know, at a minimum that he can stay healthy. So Ohio State's kind of the same way. They have a lot of very, very talented players who are coming back, like Travian Henderson oh. and oh, Marvin yeah. Harrison Jr. And Yeah, I mean, he's going to be the Blitnikoff favorite going into next season. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there. I would imagine he'll probably be on some, uh, you know, short lists for the Heisman Trophy. I mean, as far as receivers go, if you yeah. had to pick a receiver that you wanted to put on the Heisman list, it's got to be him first, right? Probably. Um, I mean, you but could, their other receiver, I believe, is coming back too, uh, Igbuka. Yes, he will be back. He was a freshman this year, I think. Yeah. So, so that they're they're not going away, and I don't I don't want to nitpick the actual number too much. Yeah, but but he's got them at two. I don't know that I would have them that high, given the fact that we don't know who their quarterback is, and we do know who Michigan's quarterback is going to be. Yes, so they're number three. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. I don't. uh, They're losing a couple of guys up front, both sides, right? Their center's moving on. the The Remington winner, I believe, right? Yes, correct. So he's. Yeah, he's gone. He, he said uh, they got uh, defensive tackle Mozzie Smith leaving, uh, defensive end Mike Morris leaving, their kickers leaving, losing. Well, a to me, the biggest the biggest question mark for Michigan is is Jim Harbaugh going to be there? <laughs> like that's if yeah. Harbaugh's gone, you know, you never know. But if he's if he's still there, then I feel like they should be up there. You know, yeah. Uh, but even if he leaves, you know, you've got your starting quarterback coming back. You've got Blake Corum coming back. Uh, you have Donald yeah, which Edwards was really surprising. We haven't talked about that on this podcast. No, we, ha- like, we haven't because it happened after. I, I yeah. expected him. I expected him to leave. Um, I did too. I really did. I mean, I, that was really surprising. That's huge for Michigan to yeah. get them back, to get him and Donovan Edwards back. I mean, that's you got your one-two punch back. You got your quarterback back. I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. I I just they had a ton of turnover on defense last year, and their right. defense will be more put together going into next year than it was this year. And, you know, another year with the same coordinators in the system. I don't know, man. I feel yeah, like Michigan I, I think could be better next year. I think there's every reason to think that they're going to be among the four or five best teams in the country next year. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll be as good or better than they were this year. Okay. Now, um, number four, I, I've talked about these guys. <laughs> I've made my feelings clear on what I think their next year could look like. I don't, think I, would, I don't think I would have Florida State at four. No. No, no, no. You you don't put no. I'm sorry. Like under no circumstances, I don't give a shit. Like, I mean, and this is just speaking from the Alabama fan perspective, but also as a podcast host who knows shit about football, under no circumstances on any field, I don't care if it's in Tallahassee, they would not be favored over an Alabama team. Or in my opinion, Tennessee either. Like I think if Tennessee were on the road to Tallahassee, Tennessee would be favored. Yeah, they might probably. Um, I mean, I, I just don't see how you can really throw them up there at number four when, and, and that's not to take anything away from them. I don't want to sound like I'm poo-pooing Florida state. I think there's a great chance for them to be a top 10 top, maybe top five caliber team next year. But yeah, I think if I was going to do one of these just kind of off the top of my head, I think I would have them somewhere probably between six and nine right now. Yeah. For next yeah. Year, you know yeah. I, mean? I, I, and I would be okay with that. Like if you put Florida state at number eight or nine, I'd be like, okay, sweet. So I mean, that's fair. You know, they had a great year this year. I got a lot of talent coming back. Quarterbacks coming back, running backs are back. Like that, a lot of defensive guys, they've made some good additions in the portal. Like I feel, you know, I, I would be okay with them having a top 10 ranking. No problem. But to put them at four, I'm going to have to say that's way too high. I don't know. I look at the portal and I was like, well, they got they got a really good tight end. They have a, a, a stud freshman receiver coming in. They got some guys up front 
um, a couple tackles. They got the Cypress kid at corner from yeah. Virginia, who was really, really highly sought after in the portal. Yeah. You know, Jordan Travis had a fantastic year. He'll be back. Two of their top three running backs are back. I think they'll be very, very good and not out of the realm of possibility that they could put up like an 11 to 1 season and win the ACC and be in the mix for a playoff spot. I. Uh, it's I'm definitely not, possible. I haven't looked at their schedule next year, and actually, I want to pull that up while I'm sitting here. Uh, um, but, I mean, they got—I know they got nine conference games, and they open with LSU. Okay, so they do open and, with LSU again, and that one's in Tallahassee this year, correct? I believe it's in Orlando. Oh, Orlando. All right. So I've got FBS schedules pulled up here for 2023. Okay, so yeah, they open with LSU, and then they've got a couple of cupcakes before they go on the road to Florida in week four wow so november the 25th they are in or well that is that week four no no no. okay so some of these dates are tba they don't have this updated yet so yeah florida will be the last game of the year i don't know why it's like this this is weird but yeah they play clemson all that normal yeah it's they're rotating opponents from the other side they played miami as per the usual they play syracuse duke yeah, I think they're at Clemson Pitt. next year. They right are there. at, yep. So they got road games at Florida, at Clemson, Miami at home, and LSU in Orlando. That's what I'm seeing for tough games. Mm. Yeah, so I, they might be kind of like we thought South Carolina was going to be, where they might end up with the exact same record, but be a better football team. Yeah, I think their schedule is a little tougher next year than it was this season, but we'll see. Uh, four, I think, is a touch high for them. The next team he's got on his list, number five, Alabama, might be a might be a touch low i don't they have they have bigger question marks i think going into next year than they've had in a little bit and you obviously know more about alabama year in year out than i do but losing the guys they're losing like well where's I, your I, mind I, at with them I'll, I'll put it in perspective on bama at five that, that I, i'm not mad about that i mean i wouldn't have you know if you like if i was going to put a team above them like you could argue tennessee if you wanted to put them in there, because most of their teams coming back, Joe Milton will probably be the dude. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't be mad about Bama at five, but th- they're in a similar boat as Ohio State uh, with the quarterback situation. We don't know. It could be Jalen Milrow, could be Ty Simpson, or, you know, who knows? Maybe it's one of the freshman kids that come in, but mm-hmm. uh, we don't know who's going to be taking the snaps. You, most Bama fans' sentiment is leaning towards Ty Simpson because he's a. It's pretty well known he's a better passer. Right. But we've seen Milrow. He's a just absolute weapon running the ball. So I feel like he's too good to keep off the field at least, if not some of the time. You know what I mean? So I think this is one of the first seasons in a while where we could actually see a competition that bleeds into the season. Like it would not shock me. So we don't know who's going to be taking the snaps. But the other thing about Alabama, man, is the wide receivers. Like they mm-hmm. don't have, you know, the Julio Jones, the Amari Cooper, the Jerry Judy, the they don't have that dude, the Jalen Waddles and Devontae Smiths. You know, they don't they just don't have that guy. So that will be interesting to see who can step up for them unless they go back to kind of what they did the last couple of games of the year where they're running the ball a lot more. Yeah. And, you know, leaning on the running game because they do have Two good running backs, you know, and Jace McClellan's probably going to be the starter at RB. And then they've got a, you know, five-star freshman coming in who most people expect him to play right away. So I think they'll be fine. And defensively, they do have quite a bit coming back. They're going to lose some guys to the draft just like they do every year. But a lot of people think that maybe that's a good thing. Not necessarily Will Anderson leaving because you can't replace that guy. (laughs) Right. So (laughs) for me, looking at them, it's more about who they're losing on defense than how many. Because I look at who they're losing on defense, and I I see what I consider to be four of their five best players on defense are leaving. That's Will Anderson, Henry 2020, Battle, and Branch, the safeties. Mm -hmm. And then the fifth guy, kind of in my opinion, from what I've seen him this year, would be Dallas Turner, who will be back because he was a true sophomore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the pass so replacing rush, those the, guys, I think, is going to be replacing maybe the more secondary of a is going to be tough. That that will be a big question mark. I think you're right about that. Uh, Helms a battle. They're you know the the leadership. I'm I'm not necessarily concerned with losing those guys as far as just pure athletic ability goes or whatever. But you wonder, you know, what kind of leadership are you going to have on the defense with those top four dudes gone? You know, yeah, it's less about the pure physical ability for me as it is the experience. Right. Like guy like right. Battle or Branch. Yeah, so, that'll be 
It'll be interesting to see, man. But yeah, I'm not butthurt. I mean, they've got to be, I feel like they have to be in the top five, at least going into the next season because they win 11 games a year, (laughs) every fucking year. And Mm -hmm. that's, I I don't expect it to change as long as Saban is at the helm. So if you expect them to win 11 games again, then, well, you know, they're going to be in the top five. Yeah. So we talked about the players they're going to lose and the players they're going to be bringing back. And there's also some other like potential departures and additions that a lot of people are talking about with Alabama. And that's on the staff. Like, what do you expect to happen there? Well, that's a, uh, that that's also one of their biggest question marks. Bill O'Brien is not currently under contract. We don't know, you know, NFL team interest, you know, maybe, or maybe he takes another college job, you know, uh, who knows, but I, based on, you know, what I've read and heard from people connected to the program is that it's kind of a wait and see, you know, maybe he comes back, maybe they work out another deal. Maybe he takes another job. Maybe he gets an NFL position, you know, an OC job in the NFL. Cause I mean, that season's still going on. The playoffs are still happening. So NFL, I think is what he's waiting on before he signs another deal either with them or takes a head coaching job in college, which most of the good jobs in college are already filled. So I think all, to think all the jobs period are filled unless Harbaugh ejects. Right. And that that's kind of what I'm getting at. We don't know, you know, I, I don't see Bill O'Brien getting a job like Michigan. I, I don't see it. I mean, just, I think he's an NFL guy or he's back with Bama personally. So mm-hmm. we'll see there defensively. I don't know, man, Pete Golding. A lot of people don't think he's the answer, but I don't necessarily think so either. I feel like he's just kind of like Saban's whipping boy, you know, <laughs> he just, kind of does whatever he says and he's probably not a Kirby smart type who you know would not be afraid to challenge Saban if he felt he was wrong you know what I mean like so I but staff turnover is something that Alabama players and fans are just used to it's never a surprise when our coordinators eject for bigger jobs it's like oh well we all we all just kind of look back and go "Eh, I trust the goat to fill the role you know Right, but it's different this year because I think there's a, a large percentage of the fan base who maybe wants some turnover. On oh, yeah. Staff. Oh, yeah. I'm one of them. I, I fully admit I would love to see some changes. Like, normally there. it's like, oh, man, you know, so-and-so, is, Kirby's leaving. Uh, eh, not always. Leaving. I mean, I mean, More often guys, than not. Yeah, we've had guys in the past, though, where we wanted them gone. You know, like people like when Jim McElwain was running the offense or Doug, Doug Nussmeyer. People wanted him gone, you know, things like that. Defensively, we've only, you know, since Saban's been there, we've only dealt with Smart and Golding. So, I mean, you know, we'll see, but I I think they'll be okay regardless. I just, you just, the Saban factor, man, it's just, he's going to be in the mix every year. I mean, they just signed the number one class. They've got stupid talent all over the roster. I don't, I don't see them going anywhere either. Speaking of in the mix, number six, Penn State. Is, I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah, because you look and be like, okay, yeah, the quarterback's leaving, but the guy they got bringing in, I think they're he's maybe better. more excited about. <laughs> yeah, I think he's better. I really do. So, I mean, Drew Aller, he was the number two quarterback coming out of his class in the yeah. 2022 class. So, I would just, I don't know offhand if he played enough games to burn his red shirt. He might be a freshman next year, but um He's going to get two seasons to to win and keep the starting job. They lose some really good players on defense. Uh, Joey Porter Jr., one of the better quarter corners uh, in college football. He's going to be moving on. They have a, a defensive end and a defensive tackle. So that, But they're still bringing back seven guys on defense. And their defense was very good. And Manny Diaz, uh, shout out to him. He did a fantastic job with their yeah. defense. So, yeah, best, best defensive hire of the offseason, 100%. And they are bringing back two super stud running backs who were both true freshmen, uh, Singleton and Allen. Man, those guys are just beasts. They're uh, going to just, I mean, if, the, if their offensive line is up to snuff next year, they're going to bully some people. <laughs> like, I mean, that that's a great thing for Aller, and that's why I kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, that's why I think it's a good, like, it's fair, because, you know, you do have a new quarterback coming in, and yes, that is a question mark, but man, when you got a running game like that, it's just, it spells like, Okay, this could be really good, even if Aller is just marginal or right. like he doesn't a, have to be fantastic. No, he doesn't. Right. He yeah, doesn't no, have to be twenty eighteen Trevor Lawrence. Right. And so if he if they can just protect him and keep him upright and use that running game and you know, if they can find a wide receiver, you know, to take that kind of uh Jahan Dotson, you know, kind of player role, mm-hmm. man, they could be really dangerous. So I, I think six is fair for them. 
Yeah, they might be. Uh, they get Michigan at home this year, and uh, we'll see. I, I think they might be a, a, a number seven. And I would tell you, number seven on Mark Schlaubach way too early top 25. They will not finish in the top seven next year if they do not improve their defense quick, fast, and in a hurry. That it's got to be USC. That's got, that is USC. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you, they're not going to do it again because their defense is going to suck again. So they're losing Jordan Addison and uh, one, two, three uh, guys up front. So they're going to be bringing back five starters on offense, one of whom obviously is Caleb Williams. They're bringing back seven guys on the defense that maybe they don't want all of those guys back. Um, Travis Dye is going to be the running back. He's moving on. They're going to bring some guys in in the portal, and they did they did well recruiting. How many of those guys contribute? Unknown, but uh, I don't. I mean, it's, we it's talked the about same, the. It's the same story. We've read this book before, man. We have. Like, we it, know how it ends. Yes, it's every fucking year. They're going to stink on defense, and they're going to try to score fifty and outscore people, and they're going to lose one or two, maybe three games because they can't fucking stop anybody. I mean, that's just like. I, <laughs> I'm over it. I'm over Lincoln Riley and the bullshit high flying offense. And we can't stop a soul. I mean, like right now they're playing Utah next year. (laughs) Like, I mean, it's cam rising's back. Like we Mm -hmm. know Utah can play defense. Like they beat them twice this year. I haven't seen anything from USC's recruiting or transfer portal additions that would make me believe that all of a sudden they can stop Utah. So no, me either. And I think that my guess is that will be the story of their season. Plus, I, I think the Pac-12 is getting better. It really is. Like across I mean, the board. Good for USC that they're getting out just in time. Because, yeah. <laughs> because they might become a doormat. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people over the last year have talked about, well, you know, are Texas and Oklahoma ready for the SEC? My, my question would be, is USC ready to go play against Big Ten teams? I think they'll be fine playing against most of those teams. Like, I mean, the teams that have just putrid offenses. But it's not crazy to think that, you know, if somebody with a decent passing game, like say a Purdue comes in and they got to go play a night game in Purdue and they can't stop anybody, that it could be a 49 to 48 final. You know, it's not crazy to think about. So, or like a Maryland, for instance, right? Let, let Maryland throw it all over the field on them. I mean, it could happen. So I don't know. I mean, UCLA is going to be in the same boat, but I mean, they, they got a couple more years in the Pac-12 and it's not a friendly Pac-12. Like you say, you got Utah going to look a lot, you know, still going to be in the mix. You got Michael Penix coming back at Washington who just won 11 games. Mm-hmm. Oregon will be really good again next year. Yeah. Oregon just, State. is. Yeah. Oregon State who just won nine fucking games. I mean, it's. It's really looking up for the Pac-12. So if they're going to win a title, they better fucking do it now. Like, well, let me rephrase. If they're going to get to the playoffs, they better do it now. But yeah, yeah, I think the road gets tougher. Much tougher. Yes, much tougher. When you got to go through Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, you know that there because those three teams, in my opinion, are better than any of the teams in the Pac-12, except maybe Utah. Yeah, we'll see what we'll see what Oregon does. Uh, they have to improve on defense as well. But number eight, he's got LSU, and this is kind of where seven, eight. You know, I think Florida State should have been somewhere in this. And LSU, yeah. Florida State opening weekend, I'm really looking forward to already. Uh, they they won ten games. They're going to bring back ten starters. You know, pending any breaking news as far as uh, draft or transfer, uh, ten starters on offense, only five on defense. I don't necessarily worry about LSU's defense all that much. They, I mean, I, I feel like they'll be fine. I feel like they're one of those teams next year, man, that they'll have some expectations, but I don't feel like anybody, fan base, media, or otherwise, is coming in and saying LSU could win a national title, right? No, not right now, but I think they can go out and go 9-3 and three again. Oh, well, Would yeah. That, I mean, I, I expect them to do that. I, um, I mean, I, maybe get to 10 wins. I don't know that I would expect yeah, them to finish I, the season ranked eighth because they're now we're talking about, you know, bringing back five guys on defense. They're also getting Mason Smith back from injury. Yes. And, and they just brought in what the number, what they have the number six class. Uh, I don't remember. I think it was five or it was six or seven, maybe. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they're bringing in a big time class. It's got a bunch of freaks in it. Uh, they, they did. I think they, it was headlined by a five-star offensive tackle. So that should uh, really help their run game a little bit, maybe if he steps in and plays early. So we'll see. But I don't hate it, man. I mean, I think LSU is going to be a yeah, factor. I, well, they're, they're bringing back the quarterback and all of their offensive line starters. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Kayshawn Boutte leaving Malik neighbors still there. He had a really good season. He, he had a thousand yards receiving. Yeah. So uh, they got to find some weapons. I mean, we'll to see. me, that's, I don't know if I'd have that's, quite that high, but it wouldn't surprise me either. I guess uh, Brian Kelly's a really good coach, even if he right. is confused when they play neck. Um, number nine, Oregon. I think it's a pretty good spot for them, given what they got coming back. Do you put them above Utah, though? I mean, I don't know what Utah's losing, but I don't know that you can put a Pac-12 team above them. Um, I mean, they won back-to-back Pac-12 titles, and you're going to rank Oregon and <laughs> above well, them? I, I don't know. Maybe. I think I would have Utah higher than he does, and we'll talk about them in a sec. But uh, so, you know, somewhere kind of the back end of the top 10, I think, is okay for Oregon. They're bringing quarterback back. They're losing a couple guys up front. Actually, they're losing most of their offensive line that was very good. But I just... Well, the thing about Oregon is Dan Lanning. I mean, he's going to recruit his ass off. He does a good yeah. job getting recruits, getting transfers that he needs to get. You know, he's not trying to build a team off of transfers, and that's a good thing. And so if he can take that defensive philosophy that he brought with him and continue to improve that defense, because that's really where their negatives are, right, is being able mm-hmm. to stop people. Like in the Washington game last year, they just couldn't stop Michael Penix. So if Lanning can take that defensive philosophy and keep building, then, I mean, if Oregon steps in and has a good defense next year, then sure. I mean, there's no no question. Like, they could go and play with anybody in the Pac-12 or beat anybody in the Pac-12. But Yeah, I guess I would put him here because I uh, am making the assumption that they will improve defensively. He will get them better on defense. And maybe, maybe that's misplaced. Maybe it's not. They do have to get better defensively than they were this season. Well, it's his first season. He won double-digit games. I'm excited to see what he does in year two because, I mean, the guy has just been a fucking rising superstar everywhere he's been. And in year one, he wins double-digit games. And a lot of people, you know, in Oregon circles say that, you know, he overachieved based mm-hmm. on what Mario left him, you know. Right. So I, I think that uh, things are looking up in Eugene. Um, next up a team that on the surface, I initially, I would have said, why I think I would have them higher, but I kind of get why he's got them down here at 10 and that's Tennessee. And he's got them down at 10 because they're losing Hendon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman on offense, which was the strength of their team. And then defensively, I think they were a little better than they're given credit for on defense, but their best player, uh, the linebacker banks, he's leaving losing a couple guys up front. So if they think that, that Joe Milton is the guy that we saw in the bowl game, then I think 10 is too low. Yeah, I, I don't see it. I don't see Tennessee at 10. I, f- I feel like you got to have them higher as much as that pains me to say. I, I think they were one of the top five best teams in the nation this year. I really do. I think they just had a bad game. But see, that's where I was talking to my brother the other day about this, and he made a great point that – the difference between teams like Ohio State and Michigan, or you could argue USC, the difference between USC and Tennessee, is that week to week, playing in the SEC is so much tougher than playing in, say, the Big Ten West, you know, or the Pac-12 or the Big 12. You know, it's so much tougher because the recruiting is better. Coaching is better. You know, the 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 environments especially are so much more hostile. You know, I mean, you remember, go back to that environment at, you know, in Columbia when Tennessee came to town. Mm-hmm. And I mean, South Carolina had already lost, what, three, four games by that time? And that place was a fucking laser show. And I mean, it's just the the atmospheres and the roster talent in the SEC are so different that week to week, it's much tougher to go get wins on the road. Like winning on the road in the SEC is fucking hard to do. And I don't give a shit who you're going to play outside of like Vanderbilt. Pick a team. It's not easy to go and win on the road, even at a place like South Carolina. You know, the only ones that do it convincingly are teams like Georgia, you know, or Alabama. But even Alabama, we've seen on the road, not great lately. Like it's for Tennessee to do that this year. And then they go on the road and have a bad week against South Carolina. Their defense gets torched by a dude who, by the way, was the number one quarterback coming out of high school and was a Heisman favorite, you know, and then loses his job, has a bad game, whatever. Well, now he's setting the world on fire in South Carolina. They won nine games this year with not much roster talent compared to the rest of the conference, by the way. So for me, I see a team like Tennessee when they lost their starting quarterback in that game. Milton, who was the dude anyway before he got hurt, 
And the yeah, only reason he year. didn't, yep. yeah, he didn't get his job back because Hooker was setting the world on fire, you know, and you can't, what are you going to do? You're going to ruin a good thing. So Milton comes in. If he plays just like he played in the bowl game against Clemson, I don't see any reason why, even with Tillman and Hayek gone, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't have those guys up towards the top five coming into the year. Yeah, the I, expectations in Knoxville, I can tell you this, their expectations are playoff. Like they want to be in the playoff this year. I would have him higher than 10. I think he's basing that on they have Alabama on the road. Uh, they get Georgia at home, but Georgia's Georgia. Their other SEC West team they're going to play is Texas A&M, who has the potential uh, in terms of roster talent to be a pretty good team. They they could be a handful, but we'll, we'll see what they actually do with it. Uh, yeah, they, they definitely have the potential to have the most hated coaching staff in America. Yes, not potential. <laughs> they just have the most... <laughs> Really <laughs> dislikable coaching staff in America. <laughs> yeah, we'll dive into that. Yeah, that'll be more of a that'll be more of a preseason look. Um, well, do you want to put a fucking bow on this season as far as games go? And just, yeah, uh, let's do final, that. Any any final thoughts? Um, I wish it wasn't over, uh, but I have to slowly accept the fact that it is, Indeed. and we're going to be moving on next week to talking about the season being over. And we're going to do our postmortems starting next week. And I think we got the 12s next week. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah, I believe it's uh, Pac-12 and Big 12. Pac-12, Big 12. Okay, so format-wise, it'll be similar to our season previews. We'll we'll go over the win total, each team uh, coming into the season, what we thought, why we thought it, what they did, whether they met that goal, did not, uh, why or why not, and probably not talk too much about going forward we'll save that for end of the summer the season previews but we'll do a little bit of a retrospective on the 2022 season now that unfortunately it is finished yeah and it'll be a good if you're a better you know and you listen to the show it'll be a good way to unwrap why we bet the things we did in the preseason you know and why it did or did not work out so it'll be a good uh good a good litmus test to you know use moving forward and looking into the vegas totals for 2023 yeah well i mean some of these we're going to dig into process versus result uh like we've talked about before and here a number of times so correct uh that's next week and then the two weeks after that uh, we'll be doing the other conferences so everybody take care and tune in next week and we'll talk to you later later thank you very much have a great day